see this. It's a, uh, it's something that'll change the world and human life as we know it. He knows. He's seen the light. When Monty talks, it's painful. Monty, you have been so instrumental in uh, kind of pointing me in the right direction. <laughs> it was about um, looking at your character defects and spirituality. Uh, it, it's the integration of clinical practices with uh, the 12 steps. It's an absolute pleasure. He certainly knows a lot of people. Uh, he's got a lot of energy. And sometimes when you don't have so much energy, he picks you up and carries you. the Monty man there certainly helps. This is one of the places that is about the business of the solution. The views expressed on this special broadcast of the Take 12 radio show do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's that guy who's getting less popular minute by minute, your host, The Multiman. Well, greetings, family, and welcome to our final broadcast of the promises associated with each of the 12 steps. We're wrapping it up with this one, the promises associated with the 12th step, with my sponsor, Bruce H., our co-host, Marv R., and myself. Remember, you can download and copy and share all of these shows, every one of these in this series of the promises of the 12 steps, along with all of our other shows as well. We have hundreds of archives. Simply visit us at Take12Radio.com and click on Listen and Follow Us on Podomatic. Okay, without further ado, let's join the conversation with myself, Bruce H., and Marvar on the promises associated with Step 12. Step 12 reads that uh, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, and may I just say you cannot have a spiritual awakening as a result of steps you haven't done. <laughs> Newsflash. Um, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. That's step 12. What is the message that we're trying to carry in these steps, Bruce? The spiritual message. The spiritual message that is leading us into what? Closer relationship with God. And, and, and we've talked about this at length before that, that there are a lot of people that misunderstand and think that the, instead of the purpose of the steps being to help us develop a relationship with our creator, that they're there to help us to develop a relationship with the steps. And that's not true. That, that, in my opinion, that's not true. Right. They, I think we should word it just a little differently, or I should. Sure. It's to learn to walk with God. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I believed, but I didn't know him. And I yeah. surely didn't walk with him. Big difference. Yeah. Believing and knowing. Mm -hmm. I can believe my car will start, but if I don't put the key in and start it up, it really doesn't mount the hill of beans, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can believe something, but it, <clears throat> you don't know it. Right, right. So um, I'm going to read off these, and then we'll, we'll go back over them. Uh, these are the promises associated with Step 12. Uh, and number one, uh, practical experiences uh, shows that, and here's the promise, nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. Number two, life will take on new meaning. Number three, to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow about you, to have a host of friends. Here's the promise. 
This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Uh, frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Uh, number four, both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, here's the promise, remarkable things will happen. Number five, when we look back, we realize that, here's the promise, the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Number six, follow the dictates of a higher power and, the promise is, you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. Number seven, assuming we are spiritually fit, here's the promise, we will do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little more detail in a minute because that can be a little confusing. Uh, number eight, your job is, is to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere if you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of life and these motives. And here's the promise. God will keep you unharmed. Number nine, the power of God goes deep. And number 10, we have stopped fighting anything or anybody and anything we have to. Okay, so let's let's go back up to number one. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. Uh, We've talked before that, I think we even mentioned it last week, that People sometimes misunderstand this, and they think it's just a couple of alcoholics sitting down having coffee and reading this book, the big book. That's not intensive work with another alcoholic um, unless one of those has experienced a solution, right, and knows what it is. Yeah, I I think I understand what you're saying here, and and I think it's if, if... if one if you're working with another alcoholic, then the assumption is is that one of them have a solution to the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Because alcoholics sit down and talk to each other all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> on the bar stool, out to lunch, but that isn't necessarily a working relationship leading towards a relationship with our creator. Mm-hmm. As far as AA itself goes, and that uh, when I'm teaching uh, the book or things like that, everything is focused on uh, this uh, method that was given to me in Alcoholics Anonymous to take a look at myself for mm-hmm. I could uh, see my need for God and, uh, with some humility. Right. You know, right. with some sort of humbleness it, uh, when I started to see that and recognize who I was. Yeah. So it uh, that's what I teach. And that's what I'm working with one alcoholic with another. Now I've formed a lot of relationships where I've uh cherish them real I mean just they run deep with me. And they they weren't necessarily relationships that were built on working this this step process. They were just people that you came to be friends within the fellowship, right? I think it was because of our common problem, our common solution, yeah, and uh, the 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 joining together to try to help other people. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so Marv, why do you think why do you think one alcoholic working with another works 
is more effective than perhaps somebody that hasn't been where we've been. Any ideas on that? To be honest with you, a lot of times one alcoholic working with another alcoholic is not a successful endeavor. And the reason I say that is because in the beginning, I did a lot of that. Uh, sponsorship and uh-huh. stuff like that. And what happened, um, not all the time, but a lot of time is, um, um, <clears throat> how do I put this? Probably uh, I end up being more of an a enabler <laughs> than I was a solution. Okay. And I think that happens to a lot of people because sure. uh, you get wrapped up in what's what's going on and um, this, even though your own daily walk might be, uh, uh, you know, you might be staying sober, you get lost in it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is caution... Mm. Um, is necessary mm-hmm. uh, with that type of uh, helping another alcoholic. Yeah, I get that. <clears throat> I get that. I think yeah. some of my very first sponsees and I had those kind of relationships. Yeah, it 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 uh, it, it has caused me some real grief. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about this statement in this this promise? Uh, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intense work with other alcoholics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, mean, I agree with that. But but is that? I, I I think if we take that out of context, we can we end up saying, well, I'm going to work with other alcoholics for the primary purpose of staying sober. Should that be our motive? So we will benefit from it, or should our motive be to help the other alcoholic, or is it both? Well, I think the heart of the message here is, and what it's really talking about, is that it'll get you out of yourself. You know what I mean? If you're out working with an alcoholic, and you know, and and you're having a rough time, and uh, you know, it'll help get you out of yourself. They were pulling me out on twelve-step calls, uh, and I was just baby in this thing you know my sponsor were dragging me along and yeah. uh, you know to work with other people it, it got me out of my own head and I would there's other things that I wanted to do and I wanted the attention from my sponsor instead of these people getting it you know what I mean right and right I struggled with that and but it uh it kept me out of uh a trouble you know, yeah, I think I think drinking. in the book Bill talks about how he he was he was kind of on a rocky place and he better find another drunk to work with. Yeah, but it's, yeah. yeah, it's not it's not a uh, a permanent solution or you know it's it's a temporary thing. I think it's the it's a tool. It's a tool that we yeah. use to, and it and it works. I mean, for crying out loud, just like the rooms, there can be a safe place to go or or a, a place to. You know, yeah, yeah, as a stepping stone to the yeah. next, the next yeah. thing. Um, I I can almost say that nothing will ensure drinking as intensive work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm telling you, I remember meeting with sponsees and coming home and and shaking my head and Marcia going, "What's wrong?" And I go, and they wonder why a man drinks. <laughs> yeah. 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 
I've had a guy call me up and I told him, come on over. I got the other half. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you know, I think uh, part of the deal, too, you have to consider um, a lot of people when, uh, well, even Bruce just said it, that when he was fairly new, his sponsor, um, a lot of people, I think it's necessary to realize in the beginning and most of us don't, that God is the one doing it and not the person who's physically there. And see, I think that's Mm. where I got in trouble is, you know, and I'm just being honest. Yeah, Um, you bet. uh, A person gets involved with this stuff and you think, well, I'm really doing something. Yeah. I'm doing this or I'm doing that or look how I did this and and uh, as time has gone on, I realize today more and more than ever, uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm just being willing to be used, and God's the one doing the stuff, not me. And one of the signs that that you you may think that you're the one doing it is if your sponsee should drink, or use, or slip, or whatever, and then you beat yourself up over it. Right. Because you think you're responsible. You think that you're the one that's doing the work. And, oh, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And lots of times I, I've, I've had sponsees that, that have gone out over and over and over again. And I didn't do anything wrong. In fact, I wasn't even doing the stuff that was right. It was God doing it. Yeah. You're not responsible for their their sobriety or for their drinking. Yeah. You know, but you are responsible for your conduct. You bet. And I don't think that uh, a lot of people see that either. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. That they're responsible it's, for their own conduct? Yeah. 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 We, and, that, and that with the new people, me at one time being a new person, and, and I'm not really an old timer now, but that can get lost in the mess, what Bruce was saying. Mm. You know, you don't even realize... Um, that your conduct is out of whack mm-hmm. when you get caught up in the stuff, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the first two words of that promise, mm-hmm. practical experience, most of us a lot of times don't have it. Don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you trying to say it's on the job training? <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and certainly, and this is this is my opinion now. But certainly, if you're you're just starting to work on step three, you ought not be sponsoring somebody. You don't have any practical experience yet, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and there is there is a school of thought out there that says you can start sponsoring anybody as long as you're ahead of them by one step. And I'm like, nah, I don't buy that. I just I never heard that. that before. Oh, you haven't? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. As long as you're a step ahead of them, you're cool. Well, I've heard it. If you've got a day, you've got more than the, the newcomer. Right. My goodness. <laughs> I mean, like, let's put two of them together and see how it, it works. Right. You know, just like right. being in the bar then, you know. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Mm-hmm. Well, number two, life will take on new me- new meaning what are some of the ways that life's taken on new me- new meaning for you, uh, Marv, since since you've been doing this thing? Um, what I had foremost in my mind when we were um, 
when you said earlier that working with another alcoholic just doesn't necessarily mean two people sitting down reading a book. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that completely. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you this, in all honesty, life uh, started to have new meaning for me. Uh, What happened was some people in the program approached me. This was years ago, by the way. Um, and asked me if I would do a Bible study for alcoholics. And we did that, and it went for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we averaged anywhere from 8 to 15 people wow. showing up. That was meaningful to me at that time. Something you would never have considered back in the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh I don't think if anybody had never approached me that I would have, yeah. Right. Um and then when you go into number 3 here, that's uh you know, watch people recover and to see him help others and to watch loneliness vanish. That's where a lot of that came in for me. After I got through the period of time where I quit chasing people around thinking I was going to really help them mm-hmm. do something wonderful, mm-hmm. um, then this, this, these people approached me about this, and, and I'm not one to just jump into stuff automatically, but eventually I thought it was a decent idea. Yeah. And that's when all of this other stuff that uh, number three is talking about really uh, made an impact on me. Isn't it amazing to to watch this happen to people to sit back and because you know it's real easy. Um, it, it it it's not too difficult to sit in our twelve step support fellowship meetings and pick out what's wrong. I mean. That's not too difficult because in today's meetings, there's a lot going on that's kind of questionable. And unfortunately, we can we can miss this if we focus too much on that. We can miss watching people recover, to see, see them help others, to watch the loneliness leave their face uh, if we're not too careful. And I, I think we need to keep our eyes open and our ears open and not only watch for those who may be in need of... of of direction and help and that kind of thing, but also for our own encouragement to watch people who have changed and watch how they've matured and how God has come into their life and the things that have happened to them. It says here we don't want to miss this. Yeah, I'd like to comment on on both of those. That for me, when I when I read that life takes on new meaning, I think for the first time in my life that I had purpose and direction, mm-hmm. and it was like. Marb was talking about. Uh, I joined a Bible study, and then, for crying out loud, next thing you know, I'm doing a Bible study. <laughs> I mean, think about this, and uh, and I'm doing other book studies, like for the big book for Alcoholics Anonymous, right? And those type of things. And you got to remember, I wasn't. I learned to read in Alcoholics Anonymous, where I could read, but uh, I wasn't very proficient at it, you know, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was hard for me, so another man read for me, and then I would 
uh, talk about what was read. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so that I, so I learned to do that uh, here. And it's an experience you don't want to miss this. These people come in and like me and, you know, we're selfish and we're self-centered to the core. All we can think about is what can we get or what can we take away, you mm-hmm. know. And there's this overtone of of this altruistic movement, you know, that on some level we care. Mm-hmm. Hey. Yeah, and I mean that's not that's not us, right? We don't care so much how we look; we care about the other person. Let me ask you guys: this. does frequent contact with newcomers is that the bright spot of your day? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is if you're a newcomer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. good point. So if you're a newcomer and another newcomer comes in. That could be really encouraging. Yeah. I agree. Uh, both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, here's the promise, remarkable things will happen. So for me, if you persist is such a key statement for me. Because so many, so much of the time I get frustrated and I don't want to persist. And, and, and if I don't, then I miss the remarkable things that are happening. Um, I, I remember working with, with people and going to my pastor once a year, on a, this ha- that year after year after year, and Bruce, you've heard me tell this story. And, and I, I'd go to Mitch and I'd say, Mitch, I, I want out of Nineveh. I, I don't want to go back to my 12-step support meeting anymore. I don't want to work with people anymore. These people are driving me absolutely insane. And he'd say, did you ask God his opinion? And I'd say, yes. He goes, what did he say? I said, nothing. And he says, get back in there. You know, and about once a year, I would get that. I would go, I said, I want out of this. I want out of this. I want, you know, and God would not release me from it. You know, and through the wisdom of this man, just saying what God say every time, every time I'd say nothing. And go, and you don't go. You you got to stay. And uh, even though I, I had to move home groups at one time, it took a long time for me to even do that. And Bruce was my frustration with that. And one day, it was time to do that. It was time to change home groups. And I, I don't know if you remember this, Bruce, but you said, I think it's okay for you to do that now. And I said, why? And he goes, because you're not angry. Remember? I, I wasn't did. angry anymore. You know, um, so being persistent with working with people, you know, we've talked about nothing will point out your own character defects more than working with another alcoholic. Uh, it, it was really hard for me to be persistent. It, it, it isn't like that today. I, I can I can hang in there now. But, man, it took some growth. What about you guys? Hmm. Can I disagree? Sure. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, I think that we have, that's what we have a tendency to do is persist, and you know because we think it's our effort. It was like Marv was talking oh, yeah. about earlier. The flip side of the coin of that is true, absolutely. See, so the the thing that I pick up on those in those words <clears throat> is not to persist, but walking day by day in spiritual progress. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what does that mean? 
it might mean just a simple thing about doing the steps, you know what I mean, and seeing your need for God and, and going to Him or learning to use Him on a daily basis as you as you walk this world and you're in it. You know what I mean? So persisting to walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. Well, yeah, yeah. learn to, you know, I mean, I think you can be spiritual waxing your car. Sure. You know, if if you're praising God for this thing and and uh, for what he's given you, you know what I mean? Or the country he's allowed us to live in. You see what I mean? Right, right. And, and be thankful for those things and live out of that. Your th- thoughts, Marv, are? Well, I was... Um, I was kind of thinking that maybe that might say if you watch for doors to open, remarkable things will happen Mm. in light of uh, what Bruce said. Yeah. And in light of I know myself, I know that I can think I'm really something and be persistent all right and just barge in there you know, like a idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but what I've learned by uh, the first promises that we've already talked about is that there's a lot of power in observation. God is God. Do not put him in a box. And mm. so I tend to watch for that door to open. Um, and God, are you going to use me here or mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that, that I do that based on all the things that happened when I first uh, tried to be a big shot and work with other alcoholics, to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, does that make any sense to you? I yeah, yeah. It does. I, I remember. I remember studying the traditions before I ever ever did the steps. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. And then one of the reasons was, I think peop, so many people didn't want anything to do with the traditions. They were businesslike and all that kind of thing. We heard, of, And I got curious about them. And this was way back when uh, my old home group used to meet on the other side of town. And those traditions piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do the steps. But, man, I was interested in those traditions. So I learned about those traditions, and I studied those traditions. And by God, I was going to go into into my 12-step support meetings, and I was going to tell people how they were doing it wrong and how they needed to abide by these traditions. And they were, they were, they were way off kilter, and I, I was going to change them, by golly, by George. And I hadn't even had an understanding of step one. Mm-hmm. And people looked at me like I was stoned. They go, oh, that's nice, and then they just go on their way. <laughs> but I yeah. really did. I had this real haughty, you know, idea that I was going to make things right in the program, in the fellowship. Yeah, I think we all bring something to this thing that uh, is a hindrance to us or mm-hmm. a snare, and there's a and then there's other things we bring that are gifts. You know, yeah, I think there's a combination of that, but. I I like what Marv was saying and the track he was on and this power of observation. I think that's uh, a wonderful thing. And for me, what had to take place was I had to stop 
thinking about what I was going to say to people uh, and start listening to them. Yeah. See, for I could meet them where they was at. I mean, actually listen to him and not have this scenario on what I was going to say. Learn to push that stuff aside, My what I wanted to do aside, and listen to these people for I could be of help. And that was hard for me. How long did it take you to kind of make that switch? Well, it took quite a while, it, right? It took quite a while for that yeah. to happen to me. My sponsees actually went out and got me an active listening course off the internet. <laughs> to me, <laughs> I love that. No, I mean I this, love, is, what a gift, this right? is for real. I mean, literally, that what a yeah. gift. So that uh, you know, so I had to learn to do that, right? And I did it for what I think Marv's talking about, where I could look and where I could see and where I could approach. You know, with these people where I could be of the best benefit, where I could be of help. Sometimes we have to make relationships before we can teach them the steps. Yeah. People have to feel secure. Right. And if right. they don't, you know, they want anything. So what them. I hear you saying is if we're listening for our <clears throat> own advice to give them, we're going to miss their need. That's right. <clears throat> You're not going to approach them where they're at. Yeah, and so then when we give them that those suggestions, they're looking at us like, what? This is a gift from God that yeah. he's given us because of what's taken place. Here's Marv that's a drinker, yet he's got all these other attributes. He's a cowboy, for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, I just he found the hat. He <laughs> just found the hat. <laughs> he, can, he can talk to people and relate to people <clears throat> on a level that I can't. Right. You see? Yeah. So he and he's able to to gain their confidence to tell them about this method by which he, you know, was able to come to God, but differently and 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 walk with him. I just had this thought in my head of you and I, Bruce, at a dude ranch trying to explain this stuff <laughs> and not getting anywhere. <laughs> And Marv comes along and goes, it's quite simple, really. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Something that Marv was saying, uh, it really fits in here. It says, the things which come to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. And mm -hmm. I, I hear what you're saying a lot of times, Marv, is that we think we're planning it. And the thing when we plan it out on our agenda – it doesn't work out nearly as well as when we put ourselves in God's hands and let him, let him do it. Yeah. And, uh, um, the hindsight of that. Yeah. When we look back. Yeah. yeah. Hindsight's 2020. You, you would think realizing that fact that hindsight's 2020, we would do a little better the next time. And I think sometimes we do, but sometimes I think we repeat the same thing over again. Don't we? Because oh. of our egos. Well, that and deep-seated spiritual brokenness based mm. on past experience. That's kind of part of who we are. Yeah. 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 And yeah. A lot of times that part of it is no fun at all. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world. <laughs> <laughs> No matter what your present circumstances, it says. <laughs> Why are you yeah. laughing, Bruce? <laughs> now, Tell us. It's true. Yeah. But by golly, I mean, my you just want to tear this thing up and rip the page off and throw it in the trash. Don't can. you? Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't. <clears throat> it's like, but, aren't you kidding me? 
<laughs> but listen, there is things happening in my life, you know, but the wife passing away, my health, my circumstances are crazy. Right. But they're better than anything that I could have ever come up with. Left to your own devices. Left to my own devices. You know, I just can't get away from it. Like we were just talking about earlier, to see these changes, and mm -hmm. you see these things happening, you can't argue with that. You can't. There's no argument against that. You, you watch this take place. You see what I mean? Yeah. Well, you can't argue against this when, when you stop and take a look at it, right? And what's transfer? Oh, it's just one of the most wonderful things that's ever took place in my life. It's no wonder that we want others to know about it. Here is here is a piece I want to I want to spend a few moments on because I think this can be confusing for some folks. Um, number seven says, assuming we are spiritually fit. Now let me come back to that in a minute. It says we could do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to. Um, let, let's let's look back a little bit in history of Alcoholics Anonymous and the way they worked with people back in the beginning. I mean, these guys they were going into hospitals into the detox centers, into the wards where some of these people were on their deathbed. They were going in into the honky-tonks. They were going into the, the bars and nightclubs. They were, they were intentionally looking for people who were slumped over on the bar, bar stools, literally. Um, they were going into some pretty seedy places. And... Um, I, I think there was some concern back back then about that, and I think they addressed this issue uh, that that you know when because remember we're talking about the chapter working with others here, uh, so that when we're working with others, we can go into these places if we're spiritually fit, uh, and assuming that we are, in fact, it says that assuming we are spiritually fit by this time, step twelve, um, that. Let your heart not be troubled. You you can go on these twelve step calls. You can go into these places that are questionable, and you can help other people. Um, you can go on to Skid Row. I mean, they matched up with the Salvation Army, and they went into some pretty ugly places. Um, and I and I think it also addresses in the Big Book talking about even going to good old fashioned whoopee parties. It says, um, you know, can can I go if my if my my best friend, who I was just best man in his wedding, invites me uh, to come to his and his new bride's New Year's Eve party, and they drink. Can I go there? Um, those are those are questions that a person has to really do some self assessment to find out if they really have any business in those places. But I don't think this is an excuse to go places that are unhealthy. I think this is allowing us to go places if we have uh, a business being there. I know a guy who's a locksmith. He has to go into a bar every week to change the combination on the lock for the manager. Um, he has a business being there. Uh, I've gone to weddings where uh, I was in the wedding party and there was drinking going on and I was able to go because I'm in fit spiritual condition. Um, but I'm probably not going to use this as an excuse to go gambling in Las Vegas and hang out with a bunch of people that are drinking and falling all over themselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. And I think we hear that as an excuse. I can do anything. Well, you're not Superman. 
You know what I mean? You do have kryptonite. And I'm not a big triggers guy. Not to be confused with trigger, the horse. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do know. I owe silver. Get him up, Scout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But but I, I do know that there is a time and a place. And I just don't think we go bebopping into the who's gal just for the fun of it because we can. I should be able to go any place if mm-hmm. I'm spiritually fit and I'm there for the right reasons. Right. Uh, people coming in to the rooms and uh, me going to other places uh, doesn't make me want to drink. And if I do, then I should know immediately that you're not spiritually fit. That there's something wrong with mm. my connection. Mm-hmm. Who removed this thing? God. If it's back, then maybe it's because I've lost my consciousness with him. Therefore, you're not in fit spiritual condition and have no business being there. You see what I'm talking about? Right. Maybe I, if, maybe it's, it's something that he's allowed into my life to where he wants me to take a look at it. Hey, you know, what is it that's taken uh, my place this time? Yeah. See, he should be first in your life. If if I if all I wanted to do, if I couldn't stay sober, and I had this obsession, and he removed it, and now I'm allowed to do other things and live a life differently than I have before, that I'm a free man. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Why am I putting something else before him? Well. And I got a buddy that says, well, you know, the only place to play pool in town is at the bar. And I like to play pool. And, I, and I'm, I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, if I'm in fit spiritual condition, why would I want to go there? Um, well, no, that's not true. There are people that like to go and uh, uh, <clears throat> join in fellowship with other people. And- I, I, this is just me. I, I just, I, I can't see myself putting money into an industry that is responsible for so much abuse. I just can't give my money to a bar. Hmm. And it costs money to pay play pool. Yeah. And for me, one of the things of being in fit spiritual condition is that I'm not knowingly contributing financially to an institution that's promoting drinking. You win. That's just me. <laughs> that's just me. I'm not putting that on anybody else. That's just, that's just me. Yeah, I don't see a yeah. It, uh, I don't see a problem with it for me, if I was wanted to do that. You know, right? I haven't done it for years, but yeah, uh, I, I I don't have a problem with it. And at the same time, at the same time, I will say that um, if I'm at a wedding reception, we go to the, the church, we have the wedding, and we go to the wedding reception, and it's at a restaurant where there's a bar, and there's a pool table in that bar, and everybody in the wedding party's playing pool. And, Okay, I, I don't have a problem with that. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, you, everybody's got to kind of decide for themselves on this and, and really be honest with themselves if, if they're doing the right thing or not. Have you ever found, Marvin, you ever found yourself in a, in a place that was uncomfortable, though? Yeah, I have. And it came on quick, mm-hmm. and it was really strange. Well, I was over at the Elks Club in Lebanon. Some people had invited me mm-hmm. and my wife to come over there and have dinner with them. So we did, and we're sitting there. Here's this big, fabulous steak sitting in front of me. And all of a sudden, I got this urge to drink like I had not had 
for a long time. Mm. I mean, it just premated my being. And I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, what should I do? What should I do? And then it occurred to me, and I turned to my buddy who was sitting there next to me, and I said, Max, I really want to drink. Mm. And and he says, really? And I said, yeah, I do. And that power went away. Mm. But that was a strange thing because it was not on my mind when we I was going in to have dinner. Right. I wasn't going in to drink. <clears throat> and, boy, it was a powerful thing, and it was quick. But something <clears throat> enabled you to do the, the next right thing, which was open your mouth and say, help, basically. Max, I, I thought drink. that's what I should do, even yeah. though maybe – uh, Max doesn't understand right exactly and all that. It was in my mind that if I say something, um, it's going to lose its power. And I don't even know where I got that from, except maybe in a meeting or something. Yeah. But yeah. that's what I did, and it did work at the time. I was able to enjoy my dinner. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I find it oddly uncomfortable but not to the point of i want to drink but I, I i'm a little if i'm around a whole bunch of people that are drinking it kind of i don't know i i mean i think it's just because i don't fit there anymore you know what i mean it, it isn't because they're doing anything terrible or i'm doing anything wrong it just it just isn't comfortable for me not because i want to drink but it just i just don't fit in that lifestyle and I feel like a fish out of water. Whereas, whereas years ago, man, I couldn't wait to be in that. That was I wasn't that was I was the right fish. It was the right water, and well, I wanted there, to get there. There's definitely something there that that uh, draws you to it. Uh huh. And I think the being spiritually fit has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Uh, not being drawn to it. In 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 my first couple of months. Of doing this thing, I literally could not walk down the vegetable aisle in the grocery store because the beer was right across from it. It bothered me that severely. But I had I had to move past that. I had to grow out of that. And in, 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 in developing this relationship with the Lord and leaning on His power and so forth, I have I have no problem doing that today. I didn't I didn't even give it a second thought. Um, but there was a time that was, that was pretty rough. You know, I wanted to stop and look at the labels. <laughs> oh, what kind of nice artistic labels are on the cans today? You know, because, you know, being kind of an artist, I was using that as an excuse to play around with the cans. I mean, I was a sick puppy today. It doesn't even, doesn't faze me. So we, ha we have to walk through life, right? I mean, there's stuff going on around us all the time from TV commercials to, you know, people on the street corner to events, you know, Saturday market, farmer's market. I and mean, there's all sorts of things going on where there's alcohol present. And if we can't learn to live in the midst of that, we may be, as Bruce says, some, says sometimes, in deep weeds. Yeah, hmm. yeah I've, I've heard a lot of people say that about uh, them sort of things about being able to, not being able to walk down the aisle where the alcohol is that and those type of things and um, I've never suffered that way 
Not even in early time, early? <clears throat> no, not even in early sobriety. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I am too. I am too because, yeah. see, I believe there's a, a lot of people did do that. You know, I uh, uh, I couldn't uh, go into neighborhoods where uh, I, there was drugs, you know, mm -hmm. where people sold up street corners and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. I had to stay away from those places okay. in early sobriety. Yeah. Uh, that That killed me. I yeah. just put a knot in my stomach. I'd get sick, you know, and I'd drive up to the past it and corners. Then pretty soon I'd turn around and I'd go back and I'd try to figure out how to get some money. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just horrible, for, you, you know. know. You yeah, so I had to, I had to, uh, to talk about that and, with my sponsor and yeah, and get some advice and and I've stayed away. And then even that got relieved. Mm -hmm. And then the next time I was going by those places, I was looking to see if I might be of service. Mm. Whole whole different whole different thing going on. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah. And so it it I did not went away in my stomach. Guys, we're we're out of time. So let me just touch on this last one here. We have stopped fighting anybody and anything. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I, I don't know if that's completely true for me. <laughs> I don't think my desire to to throw the first punch, figuratively speaking, it, it has been overcome completely. But but I certainly don't go out and look for it like I used to. I I used to look to, to stir up stuff. I think it, it says even alcohol. You know? even alcohol, right? Yeah. And I think that I have, like I said, I've stopped fighting. Yeah, that that, that I have. Yeah, I stopped fighting the alcohol and I stopped fighting the drugs. You know, right? And the drugs were the big thing, the knot in the stomach for me. Yeah, but I stopped fighting that, and so that was wonderful. Anybody, uh, I have problems. Mm -hmm. This, you know, I'm still pretty much of a train wreck. You know, with a uh, uh, people. And I think it's because we bring our own personalities and who we yeah. are into relationships. And, you know, one of the things when I was working with somebody and then I, I felt like they turned on me. Mm -hmm. See, and, that, and so I don't know. That's pretty hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. Marv, you stopped fighting the alcohol thing? It's not a battle anymore. Like a, you know, I get up in the morning no. and I got to fight. No, it's not. Yeah, I uh, haven't had a problem with that for a long time. Right. But I was thinking about uh, what you run into. Uh, Bruce was talking about your individual personalities and all that stuff, and I was thinking about a little deal I wrote down one time. It says if if you're high-handed and jerk your horse around. You're probably high-handed in all your affairs, and you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sure do miss that laugh of my sponsor, Bruce Sage. A special thank you to him and, of course, to Marv R., who is currently one of our co-hosts. You can tune in to all of our shows by visiting us at Take12Radio.com and follow us on all social media platforms as well as radio platforms such as iHeartRadio and Spotify and Apple Podcasts 
and Podomatic, as well as YouTube. Well, that wraps it up for the promises associated with each one of these steps. Like I said at the beginning of the show, feel free to download them, to make copies, to pass them on, won't you? Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man for the Take 12 Recovery Radio family, and we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Kitty, 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 kitty.